Good morning. If you love Jesus, can I hear a what, what? Woo! Y'all excited. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad that you're here because I'm glad that you're here. We are loud and clear. We're glad that you're here helping my wife there with some Christmas cheer. Uh, we love you guys so much. How many are happy you get a three-day weekend? Amen. Aren't you glad about that? And aren't you glad right now I can preach as long as I want because nobody has to leave and be in a hurry? Nobody has to be anywhere later today. It's all going to be there. The weather's still going to be nice. Let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. We're going to move into a new section of the book of Ephesians. And if you're new here, we're going through it verse by verse. It's all about learning what God was saying to Paul to the people of Ephesus. That was the name of the city, Ephesus, and that's why they called Ephesians. If he was writing a book to people of Chicago, what would he call it? Chicagoans, right. That's what he would call it. And uh, this, this message is a special message. It's going to be about godly wives and mothers. So do uh, women deserve another message, or should we just say they got it all on Mother's Day and they don't need another message? Now nah, they're good. Now we need to go back into it. Now the thing about it was is I knew it was coming up in our sermon series, but there was just no way I could jump and get into it. So I felt I would honor them, give them a separate message. Basically that day, Mother's Day, had my wife share a little bit, and then I applied the scripture of Christian living to uh, mothers and how they live that out and teach us. Well, today it's directly from the passage. It's going to be all about our families today. But what's really cool is that the fathers are going to get their message directly out of the passage on their day. Everybody go whoop, 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 whoop for our fathers. So be here Father's Day. It's the day after Boricua Fest that weekend. Come to the outreach and then come Father's Day, and we'll make sure to bless the fathers with gifts and a lot of cool things. Open up to Ephesians 5.21. We're going to start reading there. I hope that uh, you brought your Bibles today either on your phone or in paperback so that you can follow along. Many good things are going to be taught to you today. And since we're starting a new section, the first two verses are actually today's message. So let's read it together. One, two, three. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So what I want to do before I read the rest of the section is actually just talk about mutual submittance. Now, if we go to the passage, as we have been studying it in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, you will see where we left off at the end of last week when we were reading the passage on Christian living. We ended off with giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then it jumps right in here to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, and then it goes into wives submitting to your husbands. So what we want to see is that the segue between these two passages, the one that we've been in and the one that we're starting today is mutual submittance. Everybody say mutually submit. Thank you. And what that simply means is that we are going to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. So this does not mean that if I submit to my kids, now they get to command me today to go take them out for pizza and ice cream. And that doesn't mean if I submit to you that now you get to tell me, hey, pastor, preach for 15 minutes. We got a beach to go to, a party, whatever. No, what it means to submit to each other is out of reverence for Christ. It means to the things of God that are in each person's life, submit to it. You see that last part of the phrase there, the submit to each other is easy, but look at what it says, out of reverence for Christ. So how do I, as a parent, submit to my children? How do I do that? 
out of reverence for Christ. Or another way of saying it is, I submit to them for their sake, for the sake of Christ. So for their benefit, for the sake of Christ, I submit to them. So that means I never have permission to violate the will that God has for their life. The will that God has for their life, I submit to it out of reverence for Christ. That means if I fear God, I will submit to his will in their life. Now, do they get to tell me their will, uh, God's will for their life? No, I have to discern it as the parent by reading the scriptures and knowing what's best for them. But do I ever have permission as their parent to violate the will of God in their life? No. Does anybody in authority ever have permission to violate the will of God in your life? No. So this is what we call holy rebellion. You have the right to rebel against anyone that gets in between the will of God for your life, the will of God for your spirituality. No one can tell you, stop serving God. You ought to serve God. And that means sometimes you may lose family members. In other countries, people that I have met, they have been kicked out of their house as teenagers because they went to church in a Muslim country, came home and confessed Christ, and their family said, unless you deny Jesus, we're going to kick you out of the house. And that was actually a mercy to them because the parents had the right in that country to kill them, kill the apostate, including their own child. Sometimes you hear that even in this country as an honor killing. That is not a, that is not a diverted teaching from Islam. That is an actual teaching from Muhammad himself. So once again, if you act more like Muhammad, you kill apostates. You act more like Americans, you are repulsed by that. So thank God for American Muslims that are repulsed by that. But true Muslims follow that, okay? So remember, ISIS looks exactly like Muhammad, and your Muslim neighbor looks more like a Christian than they do like Muhammad. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's going to get a lot more controversial than that, by the way. Um, so that's just to help you understand. So, so children are not to obey a parent or an authority if it causes them to disobey God. And the same thing is, we are not to obey a government if it causes us to disobey God. If a government were to tell us, as they do in China, that this kind of church is illegal, we do not stop meeting. We keep meeting. And it actually was a time like this in Europe where they were being arrested because the communists came in. And communism and Islam are the two worst enemies of Christianity, but we love communists and Muslims. But the ideology is the worst. And this is what happened. When communism came to Europe, they began to arrest them, putting them in jail. You can read about Richard Rombrandt, Tortured for Christ, free book online. And he literally was arrested for preaching, but he kept preaching in the jail to the others who were arrested for being rebellious through, you know, government discipline. You know, they were just being, you know, patriots to their country. He would preach to them. And guess what? The soldiers, when they caught them preaching, would beat them and then put them back into the cell. And you know what he writes in his book, Tortured for Christ? They would beat, we would preach. And he says that oftentimes they would get beaten mid-sentence while they were preaching, and they would come back into the jail cell, and they would look to their friends there and say, where did I leave off? Beaten and bloodied and continued to pray. So number one, we don't submit to people that get into our get in between the relationship we have with God. Number two, we don't uh, submit to anything that causes us physical harm. So whatever we're talking about today in verse 22 about wives submitting to their husband can never be used for a husband that abuses his wife. 
Does everybody get that? It could never be used, as we read about children obeying parents, it could never be used for children uh, who are abused by their parents, as we'll get to it. This can never be used by a pastor or a priest to abuse their people because out of reverence for Christ means that you don't have to submit to authority that takes away your spirituality or your human dignity. Can I hear an amen? So we will be talking about submittance, but how do we do it uh, in the church and all of these things? But how do we do it to each other in a general sense as we do it as Christians, as we know the will of God? So if I know the will of God for you, let's just say, for example, uh, you're a young lady in this church. Well, I will submit to you as you become a healthy, uh, grow up to be a healthy, strong woman, one day get married, become a mother, you know, and all of those things. I will not, as a pastor, try to use my authority against you to meet me in that back room and do naughty things without anybody knowing. Is everybody listening? There was a pastor arrested in Indiana. You know the Baptist church that picks up everybody in buses? Sure, there's a lot of great people, but Pastor Jack. Jack Scott, Dr. Jack Scott was having sex with a teenager in his office. He's in jail right now. Somebody say amen to that. Amen for that wicked man being in jail. I think he should meet Jesus is what I think. Amen. But anyways, that's another discussion. So, so if I respect you as a single lady, you know, you, you should never fear me putting dominance over you. Now, that's, that's easy, right? Because, well, you're the pastor, Joe. I, 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 you know, I'm going to look up to you. But guess what? I submit to you as well. And so what does that mean? I should never fear you wanting me to do something that your friends just want me to do. So you, you will never write me on Facebook and say, Joe, I want you to stop preaching against sin because the visitor I brought got offended. You're not going to ask me to submit to your opinion or to your Facebook review because that would be just as naughty and as perverted as something going on in the back room because you're touching a part of my life that you don't have permission to touch. You should fear God more than that. But how can I submit? to you. Let's say that uh, you're, you're the kind of person that likes to have, uh, you know, proper English, and you say, Joe, don't talk to me in slang. Well, I can respect you for that, not talk to you in slang. I'll talk to you in proper English. Let's say you go, Pastor, I like to help with the children's ministry, not with the, uh, the youth ministry. I don't have to force you to do the youth ministry. I can let you choose what ministry you want to be in. See, I'm submitting to God's will for your life. Everybody say mutual submittance. Amen. Do you see the idea here? The idea is even people in charge like myself can still submit to people I'm over because I'm submitting to the will of God in their lives out of reverence for Christ. And even those like myself who are in charge can't ask you to do things against your well-being or against your spirituality because we're in charge. So there's a perfect balance built, built into the Bible that protects us. It protects you under the authority of all ruling uh, uh, entities. The, the boss can't ever get between your spirituality and your health. The government can't. Uh, the military, none of those things can. And then the same thing with those of us who are in charge. We should never be dominant in that way. And so if we look at it as kind of like the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, we can truly submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. How many want to try that in traffic today? Uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let somebody get in. How many want to try that in the grocery store line? Or how about at the beach? You know, hey, you have that spot. You were there. <laughs> how many are going to make this real in their life? Come on, can I hear an amen? If not, I'll stop and just preach on this verse because I actually just wanted to make it a segue into verse 22 because that's what we're going to really talk about. But if I don't sense you're getting it today, we will talk about mutual submittance. But I do think we get it. The idea is we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And what that means is we help 
fulfill the will of God in each other's lives. Now, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in some things. Is that what it says? So wives, submit to your husbands in just the things that you agree with. That's just what you submit to, the things you agree with. Oh, it's so quiet up in this church right now. All right, so also wives should submit to their husbands in just the first century because that's the way it was back then. That's the way it was. That was before Oprah. Now we don't have to do it like that, right? That, that's like that old stuff. <laughs> y'all, y'all making it hard for me, but that's okay. I like awkward. I like it when it's, I was talking to another pastor, and he's like, believe it or not, there's some pastors who are like this. He was like, I don't like confrontation. I don't like doing that. And I'm like, that's where I live. Like, the people of my church like, no, that's where I live. That's where I stake the tent. I have a little flag that says awkward land, and that's where most of my sermons are, are, are at is in awkward land. The flag just flies, and you can just hear that awkward silence. You just hear it, and that's where I know I need to stop and preach a little bit. So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. But how is that filtered? How is that filtered? That's filtered to the out of reverence for Christ. So can a husband slap his wife and now say submit because Christ told you to do it in everything? Paul told, no, because you're not doing that unto Christ. So you're getting in between my well-being right now. So now let's just stop and think about that. People can't use this as an excuse against us now because that's what they say. Those preachers, they just want to be the patriarchy, that, that male privilege. They want to put all the women back into the kitchen barefoot and pregnant. That's all. They, no, that's not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is that there is an example of the church in the family and that the family represents what's happening in the church. There's the head of the church. There's the head of a family. There's people that serve in the church. There's people that serve in the family. Who's the head of the church? It's Christ. Who's the head of the family? It's the husband. Who's the one that serves in the church? The people of God. Who's the one that serves in the marriage? It's the wife. Now, if you don't like that, you might want to try to take out a magic eraser and try to get that out. But as a preacher, it's my job to preach that to you. And I want to explain it to you even better and hopefully through more awkward moments. Amen? Amen? Verse 25. Now, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Point to the church. Where's the church at right now? You're the church. So according to Jesus, you're supposed to be what? Radiant, without stain or wrinkle, any other blemish, holy and blameless. Woo, that's how you're supposed to be. It's not talking about this is supposed to be without wrinkles. Yeah, there's a few wrinkles there. Or, or this uh, you know, stage is supposed to be without blemish. No, he's not talking about a church building. He's talking about church people. Church people are underneath the church steeple, as the old song used to go with the, you know, the little Sunday school thing. You are the precious people of God, and he identifies you as his own body. And he says, I want you to be radiant, without stain, without wrinkle, or any other blemish, holy and blameless. Now watch this, watch this. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives. 
So do you see this? This is the kind of man that should be in charge of the family that gets the everything card, and he can lay it down with his wife and say, you're supposed to submit to this. See, it's everything. It's everything. But you see, it's not the one who's going to use it and abuse it over his wife. It's the one who's going to love her as Christ does the church. And how does Jesus love the church? In a bossy way? Like you're coming with me, dragging Christians all the way to heaven? Or does Christ love the church as a perfect gentleman? Knocking at the door of our heart. Giving us the chance to welcome him in or reject him. Jesus is not a divine kidnapper, ladies. Nor should your husband be. It says in the same way husbands love their wives. In the way that Jesus loves the church as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You see, those who don't love their wife or love marriage really don't love themselves. Men who think that they're loving themselves by their shoes, by their cars, by their fashion are really in self-hatred because when they see what damnation brings, they will see they cause themselves the worst amount of pain. But those who honor marriage and sexuality within marriage are actually honoring their own body. And I just want to read verse 29. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Now, right here it says no one ever hated their own body. And there might be some women like, oh, he don't know me. I don't like my body. Come on, there might be some guys that say, he doesn't know me, man. I don't like my body. I don't have enough muscles, you know. My biggest muscle is right here, my stomach. Why does he say no one, no one ever hated their own body? Because it's a general statement speaking to a Christian worldview. So you could read the amplified version and what he meant into it as this. No one who is a Christian in their mind hates their body. Why? Because they see it as the temple of God. Get this. It doesn't mean you can't see how to help your body. But if you have body issues, you're not loving your body as Jesus loves your body. You are hating something that Jesus loves. Don't do that. That's disobedience. Jesus loves your body. He loves big bodies, small bodies. He loves bodies with not a lot of melanin that has to go into the sun to get more. He loves the bodies that have a lot of melatonin, you know, the dark the dark skin. He loves all kinds of bodies. So here's the deal. If you ever hate your body, you're not living like Christ. Christ loves your body. And he uses your body to be the temple in which he lives. And then he compares your body to his body, which is the church. And he says, I love the church. So the idea is if a wife, everybody get this, or excuse me, a husband. If a husband has pleasure in having sex outside of marriage, he actually hates himself and is suicidal in his mentality, if not spiritually, physically. And the one that I always say, the closest friend that I had that committed suicide was the biggest player. Why is, that, why is it that sexuality, when it's done wrong, is, is tied to depression and so many social anxieties or so many anxieties that we find in our society today? It's because body dysmorphia and sexual perversion are all a diversion of God's original version. Women and men were not supposed to look at their bodies as something to show off. Women, the reason why you have a body part up here is not to make it low cut and make it stick out. It's to feed children. And the reason, oh, it's getting quiet here now. See, it's just getting awkward and quiet. See, women think that this was meant to impress other guys. No, this was meant to be put into a mouth of a child. 
That's why it was there. And men, you have what's between your legs, not to have it go between your hands or to just chase around any girl that you see. You have that to reproduce and make babies. And so when you have people not loving what their body was made for, they're going to misuse it, and they're going to abuse it, and then they're going to find out why they're so depressed later on in life. Why are the number one people who are depressed right now middle-aged from broken marriages and with kids? It's because they don't find any joy in their marriage anymore, any joy in their family, and they just want to break. That's where you hear the desperate housewives of so-and-so or that businessman that's taking his life. Literally, I'm in the highest suicide rate right now. Middle-aged white men. Why? It's because they don't know what they have a body for. They worked their job. They wasted it all on themselves. Now they're getting a divorce. They're disconnected from their wife. They tried having sex with the younger model, the younger lady, and they find no pleasure in it. Their successes, their, their, their sexual promiscuity brought them no pleasure. So the Bible's talking to someone with a Christian worldview. Those who are Christians don't hate their body, but they feed and care for their body. That means they care for their body. They don't put their body on everybody else's body. Come on, somebody. They save their body for one body, and they do that just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Jesus is not cheating on us with Islam. Jesus is not cheating on us with Buddhism. Though Jesus loves Buddhists and he loves Muslims, but he's not giving us a little bit here and then going over there Saturday night. Are you listening? He is dedicated to the church. He's coming back for the church. He loves the church. And Jesus wants you to guard your body the same way. And so if you're single, you're single for a reason and a season. Learn what God is teaching you in that reason and season. Some of you are not adults yet. The reason is you're not old enough yet, and the, and, and the season is until you get old enough. Those of you who have been around the mountain a little bit, some of you are single parents, so forth, you're in it for the reason of having the wrong people in your life, and now the season will be there until you know how to get the right person. And if you jump into the wrong person's boat again, you're going to start sinking. And so you got to stop doing the same thing that you've done before, expecting different results. Love your body. Protect your body. Amen? Don't violate your body and don't let anybody else violate your body. You didn't know you were getting sex ed today, but you're going to get it all today. The first service got sex ed, black history. It got everything, man. I mean, we talked about everything that I could possibly think of that related to the family. Oh, we talked about homosexuality and lesbianism. I mean, we talked about it all. Because we can't dive into these subjects without talking about things that affect family and bodies and societies. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's what it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, in the beginning. And then Mar uh, uh, in Mark chapter 10, verse 6 through 9, Jesus said this. Now, this is the part where I got to get a little sassy because people say to me all the time, well, Pastor, Jesus didn't say anything about homosexuality, so maybe it's acceptable. Listen to me. Jesus didn't say you couldn't have sex with dogs either, but that doesn't make it acceptable. Why didn't Jesus have the words come out of his mouth, don't have sex with other men uh, if you're a man, have sex with other women if you're a woman? Why did he not say that? It's the same reason why he didn't say, thou shall not touch little boys. Because all of these things were toheva in the Old Testament. They were abominations to the Israelite people. Now, I know that we have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, people have come from same-sex attraction, gay, lesbian, transgender, etc. But listen to me. I'm not saying that lesbianism is the same thing as child molestation or bestiality. But what I am saying is that it belongs on the same list of perversion from God's original version. 
The original version is right here. One man, one woman in a marriage, death do you part, becoming one. Now, if you don't like that, you got to talk to Jesus and God the Father in the beginning. Amen? And so if you got a problem with Paul, Jesus, Moses, and God the Father, we got a problem with you, what you got to say. Now, does that mean I'm physically going to fight you and get angry with you? No, you can do what you want on your way to hell as long as it abides by the, the laws of the land, right? So we're going to agree upon certain laws of the land, and you can do whatever you want on your way to hell. You can put a 666. You can have orgies, and I'm going to use some, you know, some older uh, King James language. This is actually King James orgy, believe it or not, and, and sexual perversion. These are the things the Bible commands us against, and those are the things you can do. Let me just go to them real quick. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you can go to hell if you want. Nobody's going to stop you, okay? If, if you want to do these things right here, if you want to do debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissections, factions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and the like, nobody here will stop you, okay? But if you want to learn about heaven and the kingdom of God, this is how we get there. We get there from going back to the beginning. Now, go, go to this Jewish mindset. Why doesn't Jesus have to say, thou shall not have sex with your animals? Why does Jesus have to say, thou shall not touch a little boy's private part like Father Tom did or some crooked pastor or whatever? Are you listening? Why does God not have to preach against molestation, bestiality, pedophilia, or homosexuality? Because this was the standard. This was it. That's why he didn't have to say, don't go have an orgy. This was the standard. There was no other standard. So when he reiterated the standard, it was him saying, this is my standard. Now, let me give you an example. Let's pretend I'm a vegan and I'm writing a cookbook on how to eat like a vegan. Now, if you're here today and you're a vegan or vegetarian, we love you, but we're just going to pray for you, okay? All right, we know that you exist. Some of you come to the church. We appreciate you. But vegans and vegetarians, right? Let's say the vegan who's the more strict one, you're going to write, let's say I'm the vegan, and I'm going to write a cookbook. How many recipes in the cookbook would teach you how to make lechon, pork? How many recipes in my cookbook would teach you how to make arachata, steak, tacos, and all of this? Not one, not one. How many times would you think you would find the word mentioned in my cookbook about vegan diet? How many times do you think you'd find mentioned in there? Steak, pork, you know, bacon, none. Now, would that mean that you're pro-steak, that you're pro-pork because you didn't say anything against it? No, by the very definition of the book, I'm a vegan. That's what I'm teaching you how to eat. I don't even need to talk about it. Do you see how silly that argument is when people say Jesus didn't talk about it? Why didn't Jesus have to talk about it? Because he believed in marriage. He didn't have to go on talking about molestation all the time. He didn't have to go on talking about bestiality all the time. He didn't have to go on talking about homosexuality all the time. All he had to do was give you his diet for God's sexuality. What is God's recipe for sexuality? A man, a woman, husband, wife, together in marriage. Amen. Amen. Any questions, you can ask your life group leader. Seriously. Any questions, talk to your life group leader because we'll love to do that. This is not meant to be belittling to people who are confused. So let me just help you understand this. Are there people born with uh, genders being mixed up like a hermaphrodite? Yes, but that is a rarity and that's a sickness. Are there people born without arms? Yes, but do we cut off everybody's arms who doesn't think they're supposed to have arms? No, what we do is we treat sicknesses, abnormalities with good living, health, medicine, etc. So now this is where we have to, to make a 
distinguishing mark here. Do we believe that homosexuality, lesbianism, and transgenderism is something that God does in the body and that it is something that they should genuinely be able to do and live out, or do we think it's a thing of the mind and we change it in the mind? You see, I'm going to deal with homosexuality, lesbianism, and transgenderism in the mind. It will save them sex transformation therapy. It will save them cutting off healthy working parts of their body. It will save them putting two parts together that don't belong together because it's not for reproduction. And it will help them live a healthier and better life and to reproduce. Boom. If you want to now play make-believe and now have this be called marriage, or if you want to now have this be called a family, you can. You can call things whatever you want. You can play make-believe. But I, as a Christian, am not going to stop believing in what I believe in. Does everybody get that? And so that's what we believe in this church. It's not offensive towards anybody if you just think of it that way. I'm wanting to deal with your issues in the mind. You're wanting to live them out in your body, so forth. Uh, go, go on and do what you want then. I'm going to help you in your mind, and the mind is a part of the soul. And so not only will I help the one that's same-sex attracted or confused about their identity in their soul, I'll help the man here that wants to keep looking at pornography and has his sexuality overly active and not in the right place. I'll help them solve that in the soul. I'll help the one here that's attracted towards children in the soul, because we're not going to legalize that anytime soon, are we? See, it gets quiet when you talk like that. They legalize pedophilia in Rome. Hey, we could do it here. It's been done before, right? So no, we're not going to legalize those things. We're going to help people in the mind. We're going to help them heal the mind. Are we going to do it through electroshock therapy and, and threatening them and casting demons out? No. We're going to heal the mind of every broken sinner here the same way all of the other broken sinners were healed in their mind, made whole in Christ, made blameless without spot or wrinkle because Jesus loves the church. So do I trust Jesus to take away my desire to lust after women I'm not married to? Yes, he heals my mind. He doesn't give me permission to start taking on three girlfriends. He heals my soul, right? So what do we say to the one that's same-sex attracted? Go be who you want to be? No, come to Jesus. Let him heal your soul. I Listen, I purposely restrict my sexuality to my wife. At any moment, I could stop and have a sex with as many women who would be willing to do it with me. I restrict that because Jesus has healed my soul, and I know what I get from my wife I couldn't get from 100 women in sex. Right? And so that's where you have to go back to it. We're going to heal it in the mind. Okay? So now as the church submits to Christ, so the wives should submit in everything. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. He's going to present her to himself as holy. Take care of the church and, you know, look at it as you would your own body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one. That act of sex is representing the act of a man and woman becoming one in soul. This is a profound mystery. Watch this. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Do you notice how Paul put a mystery into what people do in sex? And he says, this is really about Christ and the church. Some of you think, catch this right here. Some of you think that the church is so low on God's agenda that family and vacations and working, all of these things come so far above church. Let me, let me tell you, it's the exact opposite. Before you and I were ever created in the image of God to have sex and family and work and have dominion over the earth, there was a church. You know what the church was called? The Trinity. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were in perfect union. Do you know that the entire reason why there's a planet here is not for you to have a car, but for you to have a place to have church with him? 
The Bible literally says that he would walk with man in the cool of the day. Church, two or three gathered together, there I am, Adam and Eve, Jesus walking, church. The reason, everybody get this, the reason why you get to have sex and enjoy it is because he wants more members in his church. Listen to me. You would not have a sex life unless Jesus wanted you to enjoy making members for his church because he would have made church members like he made angels. The whole entire reason he said be fruitful and multiply was so that you could have the joy of procreating members for his church. This is a mystery. It's a profound mystery. Some of y'all don't get this. You thought sex was just so you could have fun. You thought having children was so you wouldn't be lonely. You thought you being able to build stuff and have dominion over the earth so you could feel like a man. No, God said, I gave you all of that for the purpose of my church. Because guess what happens when everything goes? Upon the new earth, there'll be no more marriages. Upon the new earth, there'll be more, no more sex. Upon the new earth, there'll be no more job for you to perform for your own kingdom, your own money, your own reputation. But you know what will be upon this God? God's green earth for all of eternity. The church, baby. The church. So he says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and his church. So should we honor the church? Absolutely. Is the church just this building? No, it's the people of God that have accepted him as Lord and Savior that want to spend eternity with him. He's using that as the example for marriage. It's not the other way around. It's not like Paul was just scratching his head going, ah, you know, marriage is important, so I need to kind of think of an example that helps them understand how important this is. Oh, I'll think about Christ in the church. Oh, that, that will work. That's a good example to show how important this thing is. No, no, no. Christ in the church is the reality your wife, husband, and children, and sex is the example, the sub-reality, the temporal reality. Y'all get that? This, this church will last longer than our sex lives. Can I hear an amen? amen? However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You want to see what makes a happy marriage? Every person here, the wife, or excuse me, the husband loves his wife as himself, so he is a loving spouse and the wife must respect her husband. She is a submissive spouse, loving spouse, submissive spouse, loving spouse, submissive spouse. What is the number one reason why women are unfulfilled in their marriage? They don't feel like they get enough love. They don't feel like they get enough attention. No woman wakes up in the morning expecting to start an affair with the boss at work. The reason why those things happen is because that boss gives the attention the husband never gave. It's filling a void in her heart. The loving husband Affair guards his marriage. Can she still make a decision to go outside of it? Yes, but he will be able to say, I've done all that I can to guard this marriage. And the same thing is with the submissive spouse. Do you think a husband today wakes up and says, I want to start an affair with my coworker or something? No. How does the affair start? It's because the girlfriend is not nagging like the wife. The girlfriend is more fun to be with than the wife. Most affairs, you can study this as I have in pastoral counseling, most affairs have nothing to do with sex. Nothing. Nothing. They have to do with unmet emotional needs. 
So women, you want to affair-proof your marriage? Make your husband feel like the king of the castle. Serve and love him. Husband, you you want to affair-proof your marriage? Love and honor your wife. Because at the end of the day, I guarantee you, if something's going wrong, it's going to be a love problem with the wife and a respect problem with the husband. I guarantee it because the Bible said that's the foundation. It doesn't mean that I don't also respect her and that she doesn't also love me. But when it comes down to how we see love in a relationship, the woman generally is going to see it love as an emotion, as a fulfillment of her feelings, as who she is and needs as security. And it's going to come down to respect and honor for the man. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Somebody say, that's right. Amen. That's right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise so that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's Exodus 20, 12. That's a quote from the Old Testament. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The word exasperate there means to frustrate. So we as parents, not just fathers, should not exasperate, frustrate our children wanting good for them. And so I want you to think about this because oftentimes my wife and I get into little disagreements about what breaks down the family, what breaks down the family. And we oftentimes go after the opposite person. And so we tend to see ourselves really admiring each other and admiring the opposite sex or a role that we play because we see that as the most valuable. Let me give you an example. If I'm with my wife and we're talking about a troubled marriage, generally what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, it is all the dude's fault. I'm so proud of what that woman's doing. My wife will then say, it's all the woman's fault. I'm proud of what that guy is doing because we will generally look at the other one as more valuable, and then what we'll do is start using examples, and, and, and she'll say to me, see, without you, I could never do what I do. And then I'll look at her and say, without you, I could never do what I do. Don't get confused. Just trust me on this. My wife and I kind of crisscross in our counseling. But here's what I think, because I got the mic today. I really do believe, I really do believe it all starts with the women. And let me tell you why I think it starts with the women. Let me tell you why. Because if women didn't have sex outside of marriage, there would be no children growing up without men as having fathers that because those men would have no choice but to stay. And then the families wouldn't be broken down. So now watch me. Just track with me on this. Everybody understand this, that right now, probably the top three problems we face in society come from fatherless homes. Okay? Let's just talk about our top three problems in society right now. Let's talk about the inner city. Why are there criminals right now running around our inner city? The number one issue is because of fatherless homes. Pastor Thomas Gross was a, is a pastor, African-American, but he grew up in the South, in New Orleans during the time of Jim Crow, right at the end, but his dad was totally in that generation. He says if his dad would see these young men today in those black inner cities, his dad would slap them upside the head and say, be a young man and with integrity and dignity. Stop acting like that. So how did the African-American community, using it as an example, see such a breakdown with these young men? Where's the fathers? Are you with me? Number one problem for many people is urban destruction right now. It's because the father is not in the home. Second problem that we see today is abortion. And we could probably put abortion number one. But all of these women having abortions generally are doing it. What's the number one reason for abortion? I love to murder people. I love to know. Number one reason for abortion is I'm not in a place in my life to where I can take care of a family. 
Why does the woman feel that way? It's because she's not with the right man that can take care of her and make children feel like a blessing. Too often, we have made our wants and desires to be what guides our life, and we think our wants and desires is what's going to make us happy, and it doesn't, and we let ourselves down every time. Let me give you an example. We think that if we wait to get married, to get our college education, we're going to be happier. But do you know that college people are more depressed than ever before? So why is it they're depressed in college? It's because they don't understand. Their purpose is not only to go to college, but also to start a family. We used to go to college to fulfill the purpose. Now people go there to find the purpose, and they don't find it anywhere in those books. Do you see the difference? Now, if you think I'm saying that we shouldn't go to college or those kinds of things, you don't understand my family. The first thing I did when I married my wife is I said, I wanted you to go to college, and she got her bachelor's degree, and now as a mom, she's getting her master's degree. So it has nothing to do with not wanting people to succeed in life. It's just we think we've got to wait. We've got to wait before we start a family. I even used to think that. And where God is saying, no, starting a family is the purpose of why I've made you. So if you're not ready, you're not ready. I get it. But don't say you're not ready based on an economic situation or on your goals because those goals will lead you down a road. You don't know where they end and you won't be happy. Trust me, you'll be there, but you won't be happy. So think about it like this. You were made to give all of us the days of our youth to our families. And so now we're giving our children our leftovers. My biggest regret is that I didn't start earlier. Okay? And for some of you, your biggest regret may be the one you started with. But here's the deal. You can start over. And then what's the third problem? Corrupt businesses, corrupt culture, corrupt all of because corruption. Okay? So we got the problem of, uh, you know, all of these uh, broken relationships and families, all of this. And now what do we have? A lack of integrity. Lack of integrity. You say, man, that comes from a fatherless home, a broken marriage, uh, somebody is shacking up. Yes, because when you are a child, you learn order and structure from your family. And if you don't learn order and structure from mom and dad, mom and dad, order and structure, how much more easier is it now for you to see the world without structure, without rules you have to follow? And so when you trace the decline of the Western civilization, which all of you are a part of now, don't just blame it on the white person. Come on, white privilege, patriarchy, don't believe all that nonsense. Listen to me. All of you here are now in the Western civilized culture, and guess what's happening? Guess what's happening? Black-owned families, uh, black-owned businesses and families were better during the Jim Crow than they are now because look at our inner cities. What happened? Fathers left. Latinos came from other nations. Abortion never would have been on their mind. Some of your grandparents had 10, 20 siblings. Come on, somebody. Now you're competing with the number one abortion with the African-American, learning the ways of poverty instead of the ways of a blessing with the family. And then we see the corruption among the white people. That's why I put Donald Trump's, uh, I'll put his white behind out here, because you go from woman to woman to woman. Is it any, is it any wonder you'll do from business to business to business or rip off, rip off, rip off? Why? Because you have no honor for the family. You don't honor family. And so now where does lesbianism and homosexuality come from? A breakdown of the family. Why is it so popular now but it wasn't before? People say, oh, well, they were hiding it before. No, that's nonsense. Nonsense. What's happening now is a breakdown of the family. And if you get the father out, watch this right here. If you get the father out of the house, the boy grows up and doesn't have a, a male role model. 
So now he's going to take on feminine attributes. Not all homosexuals come from mother-led homes, but many, many, still to this day, it's the majority. And then what happens with women? Why are there so many a rise of lesbians? It's because now when they grow up and see in a positive role male model, all they see is a positive female model, and now they want to identify as male. Many of them butch cut their hair and all of that to try to be the male model they never saw. And then the girl, the feminine one, tries to find the love in that which she never got from a dad could be here all day. I could be here all day. But I'm telling you, though, those three major issues, those major issues are all starting where? Where do they start from? The woman deciding who she has sex with. Oh, y'all get so quiet. I got this nice fan right here. Maybe I'll just stand in front of this fan while y'all think about that. Come on, think about it. Just think about it. If the woman says right now, I'm not having sex, is the child going to be brought up in a fatherless home? No. no. If she says that I'm not having sex until there, there's a, a wedding ring on here, is there going to be an opportunity for that person to have a bad role model to be in poverty? No. But what if, watch this, women, what if, and I got all the stats here. I don't have time to read them all. You all go back and read all those, okay? But let me just say this. What if the woman says this right here? This is what I'm going to do. She says, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to go to church, learn the ways of the Lord, and then I'm going to look for a husband that's worth submitting to and following God together with. Right there, the problem's just ended. Right there. Because the moment she gets married, now I'm not saying it's a, always going to be perfect. See, the umbrella represents you're going to be under God's protection. That doesn't mean people still can't sin against you. Yes, they can still sin against you, but you are, un, you are under protection from the attacks of the devil. So yes, my wife and I have people sin against us, and my wife could choose to sin against me and leave me, but I am never going to be blindsided by the devil as a result of something I did and didn't understand the consequence. You see, the girl who has the baby now does, outside of marriage doesn't understand the consequence, and so when all of this drama starts coming into her life, she doesn't know how to stop it. Or the same thing is with the Donald Trump situation. He's a product of his own sexuality. He can't control himself. So when he's being led by his perversion, he's on his second marriage, his third marriage, he's being led along. He's being a tool of the devil. So how do you protect yourself from broken hearts and broken families and broken children? How do you protect the, most, the things you love the most? Your heart, your family, your children, as you come under God's order. So where do women find their husband then? In the church. You see, where do good husbands come from? The church. They get raised up by God. Do you all get that? So take any now major issue of society that I just brought up, bring it up, and filter it through this and ask if that could happen if families were done this way, starting, watch this, everybody watch this, starting with the woman. You may say, Pastor, I don't know if we can guard against same-sex desire. For my children to have a same-sex desire in my house, being raised the way they are, would be like winning the lottery in that sense, for a bad thing. But it will be so rare, so rare, because we don't follow the mold in which that lie comes forth. My children will probably be like most children that will never have that be a thought in their mind. Because all they've seen is male, female, mom, dad, healthy relationship. It's not broken. 
when it comes to having sex, they're not going to look at children as a curse. So abortion will never, never be in their mind. Never. Are you listening? And then corruption, think about this, because I, I didn't get a chance to mention it then, but let me mention it now. Why won't they be corrupt in business and politics and all that? Is it going to be because they fear what others say? No, they're going to fear what God and their church says, their family. Oh, y'all get quiet now. I got to preach it a little bit more. Come on, fan your neighbor, because I got to say it a little bit more. Do you know right now what keeps me from having an adulterous affair is not what my friends on Facebook think. I could care less what they think. It's what Ish thinks. Come on, it's what my wife thinks. It's what my children thinks. If I got exposed for cheating on my taxes, it doesn't matter what my neighbor Steve thinks. Who cares what he thinks? I care what Rachel thinks. Do you see how a healthy society is built upon those principles? Why won't we be corrupt in politics then? Because we're in a community called a family. We're in a community called a church. And we see an order there. And we don't want to be someone that's in disorder. We don't want to be disobedient. And so we build the greatest societies. Who builds the greatest society? White males. No. Don't believe that nonsense. Like white privilege. I believe that. I don't believe that. White males have caused some of the biggest problems in society. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. No, who builds the greatest societies? Christian men and women. I don't care if they're Latino, Asian, European, uh, uh, Indian, Japanese, Chinese. The best cultures will be built with Christian men and women. Y'all get that? Let me just say it one more time. Let me say it one more time because I want everybody to get this before we move on today. If you don't see yourself in this umbrella of protection, anything you try outside of here is going to be a perversion. It's going to be a perversion. If you remove the church out of your family, what have you just said? I know it all, and I'm going to teach myself the Bible. How do you think that's going to work for you? How do you think that's going to work? I don't need any teachers of the Bible. I got this down. Let me tell you the first problem that you'll have. You'll have a man that says, I know I'm in charge because God said I'm in charge. And he'll want to teach you as the wife or as the kids. But guess what? He won't be being taught by anybody. And he'll be one of the most jerk husbands you've ever had in your life. Men that I see that don't bring their family to church because of hypocrites are some of the worst kind of attitude husbands I see. Because they want to be in charge. They want to make the rules. They want to yell. They want to get upset. But they don't want to sit down with other men like me and Ish and Juan and Ricky. Because where do men learn from other men? That's what the Bible says. That's why this church is full of men. We come here and we sit down together. We look each other in the eyes, handshake each other. And we say, how's your marriage, bro? I don't care what you put up for Valentine's Day. I don't care what you, how's your marriage, bro? I want to look at your wife. How are your kids? Because every man look up at me. This bravado, this nonsense, this false bravado will get you nowhere with your kids. Some of these guys putting up pictures, I got a shotgun, try to touch my daughter. Listen to me. If you were touching your daughter's mom before marriage, some dude's going to touch your daughter before marriage. And she's going to settle for a jerk just like that because that was all she knew as a dad was you. Come on. 
You see, you can't just tell them now, stay out of trouble, do all that shotgun, I'm so tough. That's going to mean nothing. Let me put it to you like this. My friend I used to sell and do drugs with spent a lot of money for his girl to go to a private school, a private Christian school, because he was basically saying, ain't no way she's turning out like the way my, my life did, because he had sex with a girl at 15. That's how she was born. Guess what? She made to 18 before she got pregnant. It meant nothing. $20,000 in private school, gone. You ain't going to save your family that way. How do you save your family from the mess of this world? By the example. So let me just say, you, you, you want to take church out. We don't need church. Good luck with that. Or somebody says, well, you know what? My husband and I, we're just going to be 50-50, or we're just going to be partners. We're just, you know what? He's so good to me. He said, you know what, honey? I'm never going to be like that and this and that and this and that. Okay. How do you solve a dispute then with two votes in a democracy? <laughs> How do you do that? You'll be the first one in 10 years getting a divorce saying, well, that didn't work. I remember my friend, he was so, he was so, uh, he was a Bible college student here, so he was more of a, a student, but he was a friend, you know. And he left our church and he went to be at another church and he was bragging to all these other people that went to our church. Oh, there's this church I go to. Uh, there's no one elder in charge. They're just all a bunch of elders. There's no one main leader like Paul the Apostle or all the other things that was taught in the Bible. There's no Moses figure anyway. We're all just equal here. We're all just equal. Church shut down a year later, all split off in different directions. You think you're smarter than God? I mean, you're like, you think you're smarter than this. My friends, the reason the husband has the last vote is not because he's smarter. Trust me, I've met a lot of women that are smarter than their husband. Trust me. Has nothing to do with that. Other times people think it's because that man was made in the image of God and then woman was made in the image of man, so she's lesser. It has nothing to do with that. The Bible says he made both them them in the, in the image of God. So we're both equally in the image of God. Others think because she's the weaker vessel, that only has to do with physical strength and the man generally provides and protects. Nothing to do with decision intelligence. Nothing. There is only one reason, one reason why one gender has the last vote over the other gender is because Jesus wanted to, oh, y'all ain't ready for this. Jesus wanted to set the example of what he does with the Father. Not my will, but your will be done. So you remember I told you I think it starts with the wife because the wife literally represents Jesus like that in the Trinity. She's saying, I'm just as powerful as my husband. I'm just as smart as my husband. Jesus is just as much God as the Father. Jesus is just as smart as the Father. They are equally God, just like the wife is equal to her husband in every way. But like Jesus, the woman says, I will submit so that there can be a flow to the order that God has set up. And God in himself, some theologians debate this, when did they set the order? Has it always been set? One, is, one definition or one thought is called the internal subordination of the son, that he's always been submitted. We don't know. It's a theological discussion. But I know this, that when the wife shows in this place of submission, she's under the husband, it's not making her less than, it's actually making her greater in the role that she plays as a human, because even Jesus and God are equal in that sense, and we're equal to each other. But watch this. She's doing something that I don't do. She's serving me in that way. And the Bible says the servant of all is the greatest of all. So she gets a one-up on me on judgment day. I believe that. She'll get rewarded in a, new, in a unique way that I won't get. So how many women want to submit to their husbands?
How many husbands want to love their wives? Come back next week and let's see if you, if you want to do it by the Bible. Amen? I want to show you this in closing for all the women that are here. How many women love Jesus today? Amen. I took the time to go through Proverbs 31 to break it down for you. It's verse by verse. I'll put the heading right before the verse. This is what the woman of the, the Bible looked like. So this is not somebody that's barefoot, pregnant, and, and being in the kitchen. This is a real godly woman. She's valuable, a wife of noble character. Who can find? She is worth more than rubies. Does every single woman see this? You set yourself up as being worth more than rubies. Do not settle for anything less than God's best. My, my wife, Nancy, didn't even let me kiss her on the first date. She's like, I'm worth more than that. And I tried to kiss her on the first date, right? Come on. But she's like, I'm worth more than that. You show them how much you're worth. She's trustworthy. Her husband has full confidence in, in her. She lacks nothing of value. She's hardworking. She brings him good and no harm all the days of her life. See, that's why I trust my wife. You see, because she's godly as a wife, I'm godly as a husband. I don't have to check her Facebook every day. I don't have to fear jealousy. We did it right. Selective. Watch this. She selects wool and flax and works with her hands. She's shrewd. Watch this here. She's like a merchant ship bringing the food from afar. So she knows how to get things done. She provides. Did you know that in the Bible they were also providers? She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. That means she's over people. She's a boss herself. Next thing, watch this right here. Some people think, listen, some people think feminism is, is, is the way it is now, socialism. Most of the feminists were Christian people. Most of them were Christian men and women. Uh, not, I mean, not men, but women. And they were believing in the equal rights of the Bible, what the Bible had espoused. Look at, look at the founders of feminism in this country, and you'll see that they were anti-abortion, they were pro-God, and they believed in the, the role of the family. What they were saying was, give us a shot to do this, savvy. She considers a field and buys it. Out of the earnings, she plants a vineyard. You see, she's a boss. How many women here want to own property and make money? Amen. She's strong. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. She's diligent. She seeks with her trading. She sees that her trading is profitable and that her lamp does not go out at night. Do you know that in our first service we had Destiny, a girl that had dropped out of school when she was in junior high, part of the reason urban fatherless home. But as she came into the church, the church helped her find Christ, and now she's being a strong woman going back to high school. She was in a stock trading competition with over 2,000 students in CP. P.S. She won by making the most amount of money, was put on the news, and won a $5,000 scholarship to college. That's what I'm talking about. See, she knows how to make moves. We teach that in the church. In her hand, she's a multitasker because in her hand is the distaff, and she grasps the spindle with her fingers. That means she can do more than one thing at once. She's compassionate. She opens her arms to the poor, her, extends her hands to the needy. She is confident. When it snows, she has no fear for her household. She knows all of them are clothed in car scarlet. She's beautiful. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. That doesn't mean she just has expensive clothes. It just means she knows how to take care of herself self. Her husband is respected. Look at this. Her husband is respected at the city gate. Her husband's not respected at the video game place, online gaming. 
He's not respected at the bar. She chose a husband that would be respected among other men who love Jesus. The city gate is where the leaders of the city would meet. She's respected at the city gate. He takes his seat among the elders of the land. Prosperous. She makes linen garments and sells them, supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. How many know what I'm talking about when I say a godly woman has confidence in God? Strength in the Lord. Some of you don't know my story. Uh, others of you do know that I gave my heart to the Lord at the kitchen table of my mom's house. But you want to know the part before that? I was at my other friend's house, my friend's house, and I was on drugs and I was having trouble in my life. And I said, man, I need to get help. So he said, man, call up my mom. And see, his mom was the kind of mom that I liked. She let us have sex in the house. She let us do drugs. She bought us alcohol. See, I love that mom. She was a nurse. She was really cool. So he said, hey, man, call up my mom and see what she can do for you. Well, I, when I called her up, you know what she said? She said, man, you need to go into like a mental hospital or something because you not only have drug problems, but you sound crazy. That's basically what she said to me. Now, if you know my story, you understand why when I called up my mom, I said, mom, put me in a mental hospital. Why did I say that? Because a mom who didn't know Jesus just thought I was crazy. But my mom was a praying mom. And when I called up and I said, Mom, put me in a mental hospital. She said, you don't need a mental hospital. All you need is Jesus. Call on Jesus. You see the difference? You see the difference, and I don't mean to put down mothers here that aren't godly, but I'm telling you, you can break the curse off of your family heritage. My mom was the first godly woman in her, in her family, and she made a decision. I will serve the Lord. And so when I called my mama, I called a dignified mama. I called a mama that laughed. Listen to me. She laughed when I told her I needed a mental hospital. Now, some people like to interrupt me right there and say, well, what about those who do need a mental hospital? And I say, listen, Jack, it ain't their story. This is my story. And Jesus said, you don't need one. I don't know where I would be without Jesus. Maybe I'm just as crazy as the person you think is too crazy needs to be in a mental hospital. But all I can do is tell you this, is when my mother laughed, laughed at the devil and said, you don't need that. You just need Jesus. Now watch, now watch. That's why I got angry, cussed her out, and hung up the phone. Because she was so dignified, she laughed at the devil, and I got angry. I was like, how dare you bring that religious garbage to me? I'm telling you I need help. And then I'm the one that said, I'll better, I better go home and give this a try. And I went home, and my mom will tell you up until the last seconds I was arguing with her. I said, yeah, okay, I get it, but what about Buddha? Why do I got to do Jesus' way? Why not Muhammad? And my mom laughed again. She's like, I don't care about any of them. Let me tell you about who I know. His name is Jesus. Woo, ain't nobody like him. You call on him right now, you'll see what he can do. And my life was changed. They're wise. Come on, somebody say they're wise. They speak wisdom. And our faithful, faithful instruction is on their tongue. They're involved. They watch over the, house, uh, the affairs of their household. They do not eat the bread of idleness. How many women here watch over their household? Amen. They have a blessed family. Their children arise and call her blessed. Their husband also, he praises her. She's an overachiever. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Listen to me. Oprah may do noble things. 
uh, Ellen may do noble things. Hillary Clinton may do noble things. But every woman of God in this place surpasses them all. You surpass them all. We're tired of listening to lesbians teach us about family. We're tired of adulterous women who aren't married without kids telling us how to have it. We want to listen to the women and the mothers of Zion. Help us to raise the culture of the kingdom of God. Come on, how many mothers of Zion do I have in here? You know what Zion is? Zion's the new city of God coming to New Jerusalem. Read your Bible. Come on. Don't you love that? Doesn't that sound epic? That sounds like a new tattoo for you. Mother of Zion. This is not the matrix. This is not make-believe. Zion, heaven is coming to earth. The mothers of Zion are those who fear the Lord. Why? Because charm is deceitful. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Everybody get this. Every beautiful woman, look at me, please. You will lose your beauty according to the world standard. You will lose it all, and you will be tempted to put plastic in here, needles in here, implants in here. You will be so tempted to do all of that, to feel beautiful. But I want to tell you, the woman who fears the Lord is always beautiful. I have watched my mother. She stopped dyeing her hair. I gray early like her. She's been gray since the, she's been in her 30s, but dying it ever since, you know, like till she was like 60. She said, I'm done. And I remember the first time I saw my mother with nothing but gray because I had pretty much known her dying it the whole time. And I looked at her and I was like, you are beautiful. You are beautiful. Because she is on the inside, a shining light in my life. The, the charm, it's deceptive. It, you know, hey, how are you doing? Everybody can be a hostess. Every woman can be a hostess for 30 seconds. You know how hostess are. No offense if you do, but they're so nice. Hey, how are you doing? That's not how they are at home with their kids. Come on, somebody. Everybody can put on that face for a little bit. And then beauty, how many know every woman in here could be on a cover of a magazine, just get you the right Photoshop, the right photographer, you made it, right? Every woman can do Every woman. I sometimes, because it shows me what y'all girls are watching, sometimes it shows me these makeup videos, and it literally, it starts with the woman with the makeup on, you know, to get you the attention of the finished product. Don't y'all get quiet on me, pretend you don't know what I'm talking about now. Every one of you women know what I'm talking about. And it starts off with the woman, you know, she's got her makeup on, and then it just plays, and it instantly goes to the very beginning, and I'm like, whoa! What's, not, not even just that she's ugly without makeup, I'm just like, what shape-shifting thing just happened here? What you just, whoosh, you were like reptilian, then you turned human. You were like, what just, you just changed your entire nature. Is that even the normal color of your eyes? What are your eyes, like what is going on? You ladies know what I'm talking about because it starts with the finished product. And then right when it begins, it's like, boop. I'm like, dear Lord. I'm telling you, and I just, I feel so much compassion for women because I know men don't go through this as much. But I want to tell you, be beautiful inside and outside, especially outside. Honored. They honor her for all that her hands have done, and her work will bring her praise at the city gate. Can I tell you that the city gate represents Judgment Day for us? On Judgment Day, God is going to say, Carol Wampler, come. And as Carol Wampler comes, God is going to say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
You managed your house well. You were a boss on your job. You got your Lexus with Plexus. You made your money, honey. You did all of these things in the church. You changed young people's lives. They will praise her. We will praise her that day. Can we give the Lord a standing ovation today for godly women and wives in our life? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Band and altar wor workers, would you come, please? I know I've been long. I am basically just one hot mess up here right now. Dude, I could probably, like, just slash all my sweat. I don't want to be gross. I'm sorry. I'm so hot up here. Well, the tearing off the roof takes away our air conditioning. If anybody knows a better way, talk to Ishmael. Ishmael would love to know how to make this place cooler. We've thought about putting fans coming down on you. We've thought about uh, putting another air conditioning unit and talk to Brian or Ishmael, but thank you all. Can we pray right now for mothers in this house and wives? Not just mothers, so it's not just Mother's Day, but wives and mothers. For those that are here as mothers and wives, would you look at your life and make sure that you're doing it right? You might say, Pastor, there's a lot of pressure on me now. We'll just wait till we get to the men. Um, but yes, it seems like a lot, but how do we do this? We do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. So right now, every wife, every mother, every young lady who wants to be a wife or a mother, would you pray right now, God, make me the woman you want me to be. Those who have wives and mothers and young ladies in their life, would you start to name out their names and pray for God to bless them right now, please? Quickly. I know I've been long, but let's just pray right now. Let's not wait. Let's just pray. Jesus, I ask you to bless the mothers, the wives that are here today. There are so many different categories we can pray for. I'm just going to start praying some out. Lord, right now I want to start with my daughter's age, the children, the females that are here. I pray that they have godly examples to look up to in this church. Female leaders that they can aspire to be when they grow up and that they will not see there's any limitation to the dreams that you give them. And first and foremost, God, let them always see themselves as your daughters, as your daughters, as precious in your eyes, beautiful inside and out. And Lord, now I pray for the teenagers, the young adults who are starting to be involved in romance or dating or in relationships but are not yet married. Lord, I pray that these women will value themselves as the rubies that they are, that they will see themselves as the greatest treasure that a man can ever have in this world. And that, Lord, they will hold themselves in dignity to the way they take pictures and put them on social media, to the way that they dress or the way they present themselves when they're out in public, on their job, that, Lord, they will not be intimidated, they will not be manipulated, they will not be driven by their sex drive, but, Lord, they'll be holy, blameless, spotless, radiant. Lord, they'll be shining examples, shining examples. I pray for the word virgin to be a, a badge of honor. And for those who have already lost it, to regain it, Lord. To say, Lord, make me a born-again virgin so that I'll be pure and I won't make that same mistake. Lord, next I want to pray for the single moms, those who for whatever reason are in the situation that they're in right now. That, Lord, though they know statistics are against them, that there are problems awaiting them, but, Lord, they'll believe that greater is he that's in you, uh, greater, greater is he that's in them than he that's in the world that they'll find their strength in you and overcome the odds. We pray for single moms to have super strength, supernatural strength to overcome the odds against them. For them to use the church, to join life groups, that their children will see healthy examples of men and that they will live 
as a godly woman in front of their children, showing them the right way to do it, the right way to do it. My mother was a single mother until she met my dad. Her second marriage was her last marriage, and I've seen that example, Lord. I saw her go from the zero to the hero. This is the time for single moms to make that decision in Jesus' name. I'm still praying. Come on, you're praying with me. Name names as I'm praying them out. I pray right now for wives. Just those who have been married. Maybe they don't have children because they've been waiting, Lord. I pray that they make sure they're waiting for the right reasons, that you bless their sex and make them fruitful when the time comes. And Lord, I pray you bless their marriage, their finances, and all that they do. I pray that the women of this church will be blessed in every way every way. Do you know that there are statistics? They interviewed nurses and they asked them questions about their sex life. The ones who went to church regularly had higher scores in their sex life. No joke. Why is that? Because women who have a husband in church have a better communication and can share the things of their heart and be satisfied. Same thing with men. Men have better longevity in marriage, stay longer to the same woman when they go to marriage, when they stay in church longer. They're more faithful. Why? It's because they know Having sex with some girl they just met is not the same as their wife. Come on, somebody. I pray for marriages, those without kids, and those, Lord, maybe who are trying and have not yet been able to do so for a physical reason. We pray for miraculous intervention and not only adoption for them but for all of us, even as we have adoption agency coming here today to speak to our leaders. We believe in adoption. Lord, next I pray for the mothers who are married right now. Mothers that are married, bless them, bless them, bless them. Bless them with wisdom to multitask. Bless them with wisdom, Lord, to be on the job. Bless them with wisdom to take care of their family and the needs of their husband. I pray you give them strength. You give them wisdom. May they never feel that they're alone whenever their marriage goes through hard times. I pray they stick to your word. And I pray that the mothers here are mothers of Zion. Lord, adding members to your church for the kingdom to come, raising them in the ways of God. And those today that are grandmothers or have lost their spouses and are now living as a single, but you have been a mother and a wife at a time in the past, I pray for you to find your best friend in Jesus. I pray that you don't feel insecure, feel that you have to live your life vicariously through your children, but you live the life that God's given you. You use your free time, the time that you've been given, your resources to love your family and to enjoy life without pressure, without burden. And all the people I pray for here today, if we are not women, that we would support the women in our lives to be this. And Lord, you said for, maybe I should pray for this as well in closing, there's a special kind of woman that may have the call to remain single, neither married nor have children. The Catholic Church calls these nuns. The Bible just calls them women who gave their heart to Jesus. Lord, I had a professor like this, Sister Miller. They're a rare commodity. They're beautiful. So I pray they feel valued as well. And may they be a benefit to all those that are around them. And may they feel they have a spiritual family. As Sister Miller, who I knew in Bible college, made us her spiritual sons and daughters, and I still consider her like a mother figure today. In Jesus' name. Can everybody say? Did we pray for the moms and wives and women today? Amen. I think we did. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say, be blessed by the best.